When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. Fearscape Media Network is your new home for everything weird and enlightening. Check out podcasts and YouTube shows covering content from discussions on horror films to the paranormal to meditation. Find out more at fearscapemedia.com. Thank you for tuning in to Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. We are on a journey to understand and to discover the phenomena that seems to exist all around the globe. We invite you to join us on this journey into the unknown. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another enlightening episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast here on the Fearscape Media Network. I am your host, Stefan Gearhart, and I am joined, as always, by the uh, so truthful, it hurts physically, man of the hour, Josh Rutledge. Yep, my my truth uh, hits you like swords. Yeah, like swords. Yeah. You have I like to stress the W. The w. <laughs> I have to stress the W. I like to say the W. Swords. Swords. It's like my grandmother, man. My grandmother, my grandma Carol, she was the most like saying things weird like that you make fun of on TV. Like she definitely What's... was the whipped cream type person. She was definitely that person. But my favorite was Whoopi Goldberg. And you would think she would call her Whoopi Goldberg, right? No, she called her ass Hoopy. She okay. said, I love that Hoopy Goldberg. And I'm like, Grandma, everything else you say whoopy, right, is what I expect. But you're not even right. calling her whoopy. You're calling her hoopy. Like, you just dropped that W <laughs> <laughs> like it never even but, existed. But I, I mean, I don't understand the call out for, I mean, it's swords. That's how it's spelled. Uh, what I would you say, swords? Yeah, because that's how it's pronounced. It's swords. It's not swords. It is. The W is not silent. I mean, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, the W is silent, but uh, is e- it English language would be like swaddling, be soddling. So I, I get it. I get your feeling. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Anyways, we have a fantastic freaking show, man. We have with us tonight a transformational life coach and author of all sorts of paranormal, metaphysical awesomeness books. Uh, Zen Benefiel, like, whoo, holy moly. Let me just tell you this interview yeah. that we did with him. We're still just sitting. Well, uh, if I could sum it up, it would be transformational. I yes. mean, <laughs> not to be, you know, but yeah. So, yes, I mean, yeah, not. <laughs> 
tease you teased everybody but yeah no he is definitely a transformational <laughs> life coach and just our conversation with him i can see why so uh but we're gonna get to that don't don't worry <laughs> so make sure you stick around for that uh before we get into our first segment of the week just a reminder out there um please go ahead and rate and review the show wherever you can this really helps support us it really helps move us uh and get us up on leaderboards and get our name out there and really help things and i know this is a lot like listening to youtube and saying hey everybody make sure to smash that like smash that subscribe button this for you johnny altini it's like you know it's that same thing but please man really uh the reviews that we've already gotten have been phenomenal and uh we love you guys for the positive reviews but yeah man, i mean we just love rate and review out there uh and just give us give us a little bit of help there it really helps and, yeah uh, and, and then and then just just a quick call out i want to i want to just real quick mention um i want to thank uh chris Emma and Aggie, uh, they are our, our, our newest uh, Patreon uh, members uh, who mm-hmm. joined Wristwatch. And so, uh, you know, they're getting in on the, uh, the, the, the Terry wrist emails and the Terry wrist saga, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking um, of so, which we have had recently a conversation with the Hellier crew, Greg in specifics, uh, talking to us about our emails. So if you want to know what happened there, follow yep. us on wristwatch and become part of that investigation. Yep. So, uh, thank you, Greg, if you're listening for, uh, your sage advice on that, we appreciate it. Yep. Um, but yeah, so wristwatch. So you, you can go to patreon.com slash what is it? Fearscape pod. Fearscape pod, or just go to fearscapepodcast.com slash support either yep. or. Um, so, but yeah, we love you guys so much. Uh, all of our blanket huggers out there, you guys are the bomb. And yes, thank you to the new pa- patrons there. We love you guys. Um, but, anyways, let's go ahead and get to our first segment of the week so we can get to Zen. Uh, and our first segment, as usual, dedicated to Santosh, is Psychic Word of the Week. And now, the Psychic Word. Of the week. All right, Psychic Word of the Week comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from June G. Bletzer, PhD. Rest in peace, honey bear. Um, this week, I've just flipped through the pages. I actually land on, I know you like to know the actual number, so I actually uh, landed on page 431, the letter N, and I looked down, and uh, the first phrase that I saw was non-external world. Ooh, that sounds good, doesn't it? Well, let's see what it says. What wasn't that a movie? Um, with uh, like where he goes inside the guy, supposed to go into a rabbit, and actually goes inside. Are you Martin talking Short. about inner space? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, That's a it. great movie, man. That's, That's got Martin. Uh, is that Martin Short? Martin Short and yep. Dennis um, Quaid, not Randy yep. Quaid. He's the crazy one. Dennis. Quaid. Nope, Dennis Quaid. Yep. Yep. Great movie. Love that movie. Those that and Dreamscape, man, came out like the same year. Yep. Anyways, Anyways. <laughs> don't get me going on 80 sci-fi, dude. I can talk to you all day. Non-external world. The definition from June says mental activity in the subjective mind and body feeling within the body proper that one can perceive with the five senses, i.e., psychic energy and meditation sensations surfacing for attention. Um, and of course, the synonym here is body feeling. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. So, so is I, that is that interesting? Just... Because and I don't mean to cut you off, but it's like I know what we're going to be talking about Zen because we um, we recorded yep. it ahead of time, and it's interesting because 
I feel like we talked about some of this. Yeah, this definitely <laughs> came up and just used a different term for it. Yeah, definitely came up in the in the uh, in the in the discussion. And, and I was going to say it's almost like um, during meditation, your psychic awareness heightens mm -hmm. your physical senses, right? Yeah. So. So yeah, it's just it's it's it, it, it's the way I can also say it too. It's almost as if your um your your astral body is able to perceive the five senses is kind yeah. of some of what I got out of that. So yeah, same. I'd have to dig into the, some of the other terms that she used, but I think that's a pretty good point to explore further later. So, but yeah, yep. very very interesting. Like I said, I, I'm pretty sure we talked to Zen about something very yeah. very similar. So, I'm not yep. surprised that this shit happens as it usually does. Um, but yeah, so all right, let's go ahead and uh, let's get to our next segment of the week, which is Cryptid of the Week. It's a Jersey Devil. Hope y'all are ready to meet some of my friends. Cryptid of the Week. All right, Cryptid of the Week, Jersey Devil, who do we got? Are you going to let me talk? Yes, you can You can introduce it. Okay, hey, everybody, it's the Jersey Devil. Hey, y'all. Hi, Josh, I miss you. <laughs> Stay out there. Okay. Okay, this is also dedicated to Santosh. Um, but no, uh, the friend that I want y'all to meet this week is called a ninjin. And no, I did not say ninja. I said ninjin. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you. I promised him I would let him do it, Josh. I'm sorry. Uh, it's okay. He's, he's been really good, man. He's been feeding my cats and stuff like that. Anyways, so ninjin is uh, who we're looking at. And that's N-I-N-G-E-N. Uh, and so here's what this says. And I get mine from uh, cryptids.fandom.com. Really great. It's got like every cryptid you could think of. Even injured colds on there considered a cryptid. It's fantastic. Um, but anyway, so it says, over the past few years, rumors have circulated in Japan about the existence of Arctic humanoid life forms inhabiting the icy waters of the Antarctic. Reportedly observed on multiple occasions by crew members of government operated whale research ships, the so-called ninjins are said to be completely white in color with an estimated length of 20 to 30 meters eyewitnesses describe them as having a human-like shape often with legs arms or even or excuse me and even five-fingered hands sometimes they are described as having fins or large mermaid-like tail inside instead of legs or even tentacles the only visible or identifiable facial features are the eyes and mouth according to one account crew members on deck observed what they initially thought was a foreign submarine in the distance when they approached however it became clear from the irregular shape of the thing that it was not man-made it was indeed alive and the creature quickly disappeared underwater uh this popular threat attracted the attention of many um people and in the november 2000 uh issue of moo magazine and i wonder if that's moo it's mu so i guess maybe like the um the fictional land, which is interesting because I'm already making a connection to Hollow Earth here. Uh, Japanese yeah. publication devoted to the study of paranormal phenomena featured an article 
entitled Antarctic Humans. And this speculated on the possibility of unidentified creatures inhabiting the Southern Seas. And it included a Google Earth screenshot showing what looks like a ninja in the South Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Nambia. To date, no solid evidence, of course, has been presented to confirm the existence of the ninja. I can tell you they're real. Their hearts are cold. And when you shake their hands, their hands are cold. How do you even shake somebody's hand? You have hooves. Get out of here. Um, can you feel with? Can you feel with hooves? I can. And be, it'd be like shaking somebody with your finger, like shaking somebody's hand. With well, your no, I can. I put band aids on the bottom so that it feels like skin. I don't think it works. Okay. No, I keep telling them to get out of here. <laughs> Whatever, man. Uh, the government is believed to have kept detailed records of the sightings, but they have released no information to the public and have reportedly instructed eyewitnesses to remain silent. Um, again, um, this is craziness to me because it sounds to me like giants right it almost sounds like these giants that we've heard about in hollow earth and if it's near the arctic areas what if yeah. it's coming in out of caves 2030 so they're giant you know that you definitely know if it was a whale or not you know how many white whales with arms and legs and you know unless it's an unevolved whale right so that was just that's what the giants evolved into were whales right is that what the nephilim evolved well, into whales so i'm gonna play a little bit of 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 uh devil's advocate here oh that's offensive he didn't he didn't say the jersey devil's advocate well i mean it wouldn't what how would it be offensive anyway i'd be advocating for the devil well i don't like it okay anyways uh what's the is it the sperm whale that moby dick is based off of uh i think so okay so I'm pretty sure that the sperm whale, their favorite food is squid. Mm -hmm. A sperm whale is pretty big, and there are white sperm whales. So I'm just going to say that there could be a white sperm whale chalking down on some squid that made it look like it had tentacles or fingers or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying that that's, that is a possibility. Yeah. I mean, it's also possible that there are giants coming from hollow earth. I'm just, you know, just throwing out there as a, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> you got to consider all angles is all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, this is just for you, but I'm sending you the picture of the supposed picture of one. Um, but it does say, so there's a thing down at the bottom that talks about possible explanations. And uh, here's some of the possible explanations. Uh, misidentified whales, sharks, and squids. So there we go. Uh, a new species of giant manta ray. Uh, this is my favorite. An aquatic sloth, perhaps an evolutionary descendant of the Thalassocnus. Um, of course, a misidentified iceberg. An undiscovered subspecies of beluga. Um, and an evolutionary relative of humans. However, this is unlikely due to size. I don't think so. Could be Nephilim, I'm saying. Um, a species of aquatic or semi-aquatic animal, likely descendant, uh, evolved from the large-sized carnivore animals, uh, possibly seals or killer whales, um, that has evolved into a more noticeable humanoid shape due to convergent evolution or moving into the water late. Um, a species of heavily evolved animal that is related to the Crylophosaurus or the Kulasuchus. 
Uh, descendant species of a recently discovered species of shark convergently evolved to a manta ray-esque form that could resemble a quasi-humanoid entity underwater. Very interesting. Interesting indeed. It um, also looks, if you look at it, it also kind of looks like the uh, the red-haired monster from Looney Tunes, but with no hair. Like, if that's what, that's what he looked like underneath his hair. Yeah. It, it also, in the picture that you sent me, it also, to me, looks like a whale breaking the surface, and then the arms that are trailing off is the uh, white kind of uh, uh, tips of the, of the ocean. I would say it, that, but if you'll notice to the bottom right there, you can actually see the actual white tips of the ocean that's happening there in the bottom right, and that's very yeah. distinct than the ones over here. Yeah. But who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, um, thank you, Jersey Devil, for sharing uh, your friend, the Ninja. All right. So uh, before we get to our last segment, um, which is uh, we're doing UAP sighting of the week, correct? Correct. And uh, I wanted to quickly touch on Creepy Ketchup. We're not going to do a full segment. I'm not even going to do Brad's favorite song um, because I just want to touch. Both of you, both of us have had a very light week, but we've had very quick, simple things that have happened. Um, So for Creepy Ketchup, I'm just going to quickly say this for me at work two or three times now at work out of the corner of my eye i've seen a cat dart underneath my desk i've seen it three times now um i haven't seen a ghost cat since my old days of living in old louisville with santosh um but yeah three times this week i've seen a ghost cat go underneath my desk and i looked because you know there's a soccer ball but it's bright yellow i mean the cat that i see is like white so i don't know so my only thing is um so the first of all it's really interesting because you you've had some ghost cat experiences but you've just not seen a ghost cat since yeah days loaded so, correct yeah. yeah i have not seen anything out of the corner of my eye. i yeah. felt ghost cats but i haven't seen right one. so my thing was actually happened today i was uh driving over uh to get dinner for the fam and um along the way i accidentally uh ran over a squirrel a little red a little red squirrel and what's what's really bad is well bad or good depending on how you look at it i didn't like i didn't squish him he just kind of like rattled underneath the car and i and i remember looking in my in my side mirror and i saw him kind of flop like tail you know end over end over tail uh kind of reminded me of the time when you stepped out of the back of a truck and um and anyway so then he landed and kind of laid on his side and you know and i like i tried to slow down for him to get out of the way but i i still probably hit him doing like 45 um so i was like well he's dead so but like i felt really bad about it and so in that exact moment i put like healing energy towards him like i was like if there's anything that could you like take this healing energy and let him live that would be great so i continued on got dinner headed back drove the same route back when i got to the spot where i'd hit him no squirrel yeah so either got picked off by a coyote (laughs) or he got up and walked and he was healed like benny hen healed right yeah (laughs) he he fell back because he was so (laughs) (laughs) which my god those those benny hen videos where people put in street fighter characters into it (laughs) i love the internet man um but yeah, but anyway, so like so I said, that's... brief, 
Was there anything yeah. else or just that? No, that was it. That was yeah, it. Yeah, still very cool. Very, very cool. Your power of healing is amazing. Um, so let's go ahead and move to our final segment before we get to Zen Benefiel, which is the UAP sighting of the week. All right, Josh. So uh, what do we got for our UAP sighting, UFO sighting of the week? Yeah, so uh, this happened on uh, January 20th in Aurora, Colorado. Ooh. Yep. Uh, the kind of summary is saw three lights that looked like stars, but brighter and bigger. And so here we go. I was staring at what I thought were three stars. I realized they weren't stars once one of them moved. I also realized I had been staring for a while, almost in a trance. The bright objects did not look like any of the planes ascending and descending nearby, and they had no sound. The first bright object that moved, I didn't actually see it move, it just appeared at a different spot in like seconds. Imagine three dots lined horizontally, and the furthest to the right all of a sudden fades away and reappears diagonally. Then the furthest left disappears. The middle remains hovering. Then the one diagonal appears to be dimming and fading in and out, and eventually they all disappear. I didn't see them move or zip away, just gone. Later, I looked up at the stars. I looked up at the stars and constellations, noticing how small the real stars actually look. The lights I saw were 20 times bigger looking than the stars. Ooh, some of that's very similar to what we saw in Arizona. Yeah, very much so. I like that. Um, And it it, it really, um, I mean, well, I mean, the one that we saw in my backyard, it did zip away, but we've also seen the ones that just kind of blinked out fade out yeah yeah yep. so. i mean like i said that's that one we saw besides the of the two the one blinked out it just kind of blinked out yeah very yep. very interesting very very cool i love uap sightings of the week man just reminds you that we're not the only people seeing stuff man yep very very cool um well i don't even want to dwell on that because i'm so ready for you guys to listen to this conversation with Zen Benefiel. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, getting spooky with Zen Benefiel. Good evening, dear friends. I am your head mister, Stefan Gearhart. And I am your co-mister, the man with no name, Lance Wayne. And we are the misters of the dark. Join us as we discuss everything from horror books, films, and even pretty princesses. Join us every other Tuesday in our dilapidated mansion. You never know what's going to happen next. Only on the Fearscape Media Network. (laughs) That's a good laugh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for sticking around. Uh, as promised, we have Zen Benefiel on the horn with us here uh, in his own studio because we're still zooming it up. But thank you, Zen, for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. 
You're welcome, guys. I'm glad to be here, and I'm looking forward to a really spooky, cool conversation. <laughs> that, that we live. That's our whole life. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's pretty much all I do anymore is spooky, cool conversation. I know. That's it. I can't talk about anything else or I'm bored. I can't even watch regular movies anymore. If it's not like paranormal or horror or yeah. sci-fi, I'm like, I, I just can't, guys. I, can't. I haven't even I haven't, I haven't turned my Xbox on in like five months. So, yeah. I just, Good for you. Well, you know, it's like a paperweight now, so. Well, My wife I and I, our, our favorite phrase is, wow, that's spooky cool. Because <laughs> there's just so much really yeah. weird stuff that happens. And, you know, the synchronicities, the conversations, all yeah. the things that tie in. Everything is really is connected if you just, you know, recognize it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's, it's almost Bostonian there. It's almost wicked cool, but it's spooky cool uh, yep. over here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've been really uh, uh, lately because Stefan was like, hey, you really need to watch these. And then we and then they came up in a conversation on our last episode. So I've been watching Missing 411. And that is just totally uh, got me just encapsulated right now in wonder about like what's going on there. But um, so I won't I won't dig into that too much because I think we're going to talk about me with yet. Oh, you should, there's two of them. Oh, there's Missing yeah. 411 and then there's um, Missing 411 Hunted. Hunted. And it's basically about all the people that come up missing in national parks. And uh, they, they very much allude that something spooky may be happening, not just people falling off the beaten trail. But yeah, there's like, some oh, there's awful a- evil human beings out there. Yeah. Well, so, there are. But yeah. I mean, so- like, but like some of these cases are like, like there's a kid walking behind a person and the per- other person happens to just turn around and the kid's just gone. Gone. No noise, no nothing, just gone. Just, just weird circumstances mm. that may so. be paranormal. Um, so, yeah, highly recommend to check those out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do that say, every once in a while. And I will say I love the name Zen because that's actually one of my nicknames um, I've had for a very, very long time. Stefan got confused for Zen a number of times growing up, and I loved it, and especially being a part of my walk is Buddhism. And so I was like, great. I just took on the moniker and have kept it for a very, very long time. So I love well, that. It's an interesting one that. to have and, and a hard one to live up to, let me tell mm-hmm, you. For well, sure. It, it was really interesting <laughs> at how it occurred. Um you know, just uh, briefly, I was orphaned, adopted, uh, had some really weird stuff happen as a kid. Um, fast forward to 1988, I'm still wondering who I am. I had a conversation with a friend of mine after a full moon meditation one night in uh, middle of June, or in towards the end of June, actually. And we, our conversation felt quiet. And so I closed my eyes, I went inside and I asked the question, who am I? Right, because I still wasn't sure. I had no birth records, and I'd gone through all mass kinds of massive searches looking right. for my birth parents. Found out the records were destroyed in a flood, um, so I, I was bereft of information. Right, so I asked the question, and, and I hear my friend's chair creak. And he's about fifteen years my senior, and I turn to look at him, and he stares at me straight in the eyes. He says, "You are Zendor." <laughs> now I hadn't said a word. <laughs> right. And so if that wasn't baffling enough, my second fight kicks on at the same time. And I see this starscape with a huge stone arch doorway and a thick wooden door opening towards me. And I hear door to what is. Right now, what the hell you do with that? 
Yeah. And so I put it on the shelf and, and that a couple years later I get the opportunity to produce and host a television show. We called it One World. And I used my given name, which is Bruce Benefiel at the time, with a subtitle of Zendor, kind of a door to what is, because we were peering into the depths of what keeps people afraid, angry, ignorant, and immobile. Mm -hmm. And looking at what fears they encountered in their professional and personal paths, how they overcame them, how they could then relate to the audience and sharing with them how they got through it and maybe make their lives easier as a result, right? So about six shows in, um, there's a sick friend, and no, he wasn't ill, he was a sick, right? Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he called me Zen and kept calling me Zen. And then pretty soon everybody else started calling me Zen. And we'd go out to networking meetings and I'd get introduced to Zen. I'm like, well, man, wow, I didn't have to do a thing. Yeah, that kind of happened to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing was back in college, I had a real issue with people changing their names. Hmm. And so here I was like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Be careful what you judge, because you'll end up having to face it again. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, over t uh, time, you know, it, it um, it's really given me an opportunity to examine what is. Yeah. You know, and in this field, you have to be really, even though it's very subjective, you have to remain objective about your experience and being able to look at it from all kinds of different angles. Because there are those angles. Yeah. Right? It's like having a, um, a pencil, you know, there's a hexagonal and it's got each panel painted a different color. And depending on how you look at it, you're going to see that different color. Right. You know, is the whole pencil that color? Right. You don't know. You got to move around, you know, right. to find out. Uh, so there's been a lot of moving around in my life and <laughs> looking at, at things and even here in the valley, I've been here since 81. I've moved something like 51 times. Wow. Yeah, I feel that, man. I'm a mover myself. It, but it's interesting to find even more connections there because, um, you know, like I said, my connection there was Zen as well. But in the 90s, two things that were two of my favorite things kind of fit into this, which is one, there was a comic book called Zen the Intergalactic Alien, which is also one of my favorite comics from back yeah. in the day um uh he also went by zen the intergalactic ninja um when he came to earth that's also fun but there was a video game in the 90s that was really fun called air of zendor and it was all about this planet right then it was like uh everything floated the continents floated all the ore was anti-gravity and stuff like that so i just find that all very hilarious i thought i found it very odd right mm -hmm. because it was about the same time that I kind of went semi-public with my name. And mm -hmm. it was like, wow, interesting synchronicities. Mm -hmm. um, and who knows, you know, maybe that, that game was kind of an indicator of the kind of world we might have, that everything <laughs> is kind of floating around. Right? It's valuable, and we just got to figure out, <laughs> yeah. you know. How to work the anti-gravity machines. Well, and I'm going to say that, um, so the, the comment about the door, you saw the doorway uh, in your meditation. So <clears throat> I have also uh, seen a doorway in my meditation, um, but mine was, um, so I was meditating uh, about my mind, and I saw my mind represented as um, like a room full of file cabinets. 
and they were just stacked as high as you could see just you know high as you could see sure. and then and then like off to the side there was an old uh, uh like a uh tunnel that led down into the ground um and when i went down that tunnel there was a huge wooden door um with a, a lock on it and when i went to open it like a voice rang out and said not yet you're not ready so then uh, <laughs> so, so then like several meditations later like months later mm-hmm. i tried to go to that door again and this time it sagged open and this glowing like golden light flow out of it and you know and it finally let me in so i just thought that was really interesting that you know that we both kind of had a doorway okay, so let in what was on the other side I so know, on right? the other on the other side for me it was uh, large pillars of golden light, just as far as the eye could see. There were just all these pillars of golden light, and there were walkways that you could walk around in between. And there were these beans in there, and they were walking into the golden light and then just disapparating wherever they were going. So. <laughs> Kind of an intergalactic teleportation station. Yeah, yeah. or like uh, the Phantasm movies. Like, once you get later into the movies, that's how they go into their dimensions and stuff is very similar to that. So, Well, it's interesting, you know, your brain kind of, or your mind represented by the file cabinets. It, it, that's a much more um, graphic presentation, in, yeah. in, you know, other than hard drive. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, yeah, and, and really, you know, our our minds are like supercomputers with files and, and folders yeah. and all kinds of stuff, and we just don't necessarily know how to ask or retrieve or in, you know um, figure out how to how to phrase the inquiry. Oh yeah, right. that's what I always and, think about is Donald Duck and Mathematic Land when he's inside his own brain and there's all those file cabinets everywhere full of his memories and he's trying to find this one and he can't figure it out because there's no uh, system set up to like a catalog card. <laughs> so, right. There's well, a lot of feed in. We just get, have, have to figure out how to feed out, right? Right. And well, those files and their files yeah. being able to open them. Well, you know, and, and I had a, uh, this has been a, a few uh, months ago, but I had another meditation where I like uh, went back to in the womb. Uh, I remember being in the womb. I remember being the born, and I remember feeling what my mom felt as she birthed me. And then I went out, went back before that, as I was like a octopus swimming through the ocean, and I uh, swam out of the ocean into the nothingness of space. And you know, it was just that was so really you, weird. You birthed yourself again, essentially. I guess, I guess <laughs> I did. So, um, so I just, you know, I have the. I have a, a thing. I mean, I, I think everything that we've ever experienced is locked away, you know, inside. You just have to train yourself or be open to uh, the possibility of retrieving it. Uh, I think both are, this, uh, are required, right? You have to be open to and you have yeah. to be willing to train yourself to do so. And there's a third aspect. You have to know it's there, right? I mean, really know and right. trust that it's there and it it works um you know it's kind of funny how your experiences seem to put you in places where you go into this um almost another dimensional retrieval kind of thing where you're remembering what it's like just to feel that um connectedness yeah better so very important for us to feel because we are we yeah. tend to think that we're separate from things. And if you consider, you know, that, that going down the science rabbit hole for a minute, 
uh, many years ago, I figured out that the triple six was actually the carbon atom. It is the number of man, right? So we're based on a carbon system. Right. So what happens if you put a trinitized any uh, energy to that? So you get a triple nine, which are, you know, according to numerology, that's completion. So right. you have this, uh, in essence, that you know, I kind of call it a perfected form, fit, and function in the world now, or at least it's accessible because you know that it's there. And if you consider a natural order when you're developing, you know, from childhood through adulthood and, and you're developing skill sets and talents and abilities and all those kinds of things, well, where do you go or, you know, what's your mission and purpose here? And, you know, more than likely, it's kind of a completion of those ability, skills, and talents that you've developed towards some kind of beneficial end that integrates your passion and purpose. And it's a flow of things. You ask questions, you pay attention to what's going on. Um, you know, one of the easiest guides I, I found is what the uh, ancient aboriginals call the three brain system. You guys ever heard about that? I have not. Mm -mm. It, it's pretty simple, actually. Uh, three brains, first brain's the gut, second brain's the heart, third brain's the head. Right. Most of us live from here up, have no clue what's going on down here. However, everything's built on vibration, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. where would you, where would you connect with that? Perhaps in the center of your intuition, which mm -hmm. is where that's your gut feeling. Right. Yep. right? So it, it really makes sense to come at things that way. So you, when you've got questions, you can anchor in, or even when you're just being and, uh, walking around, you know, to be able to begin to kind of focus in your solar plexus and begin to feel what's there, then you can determine what's desirable and what's undesirable by the resonance that you're feeling. And, and then you begin to process it with the heart, which also kind of figures out whether it's resonant or not, and, um, and then qualifies it with at least a um, unconditional presentation to the brain which then you can make better choices of what to do with that information because you're aware of the process and what it feels like in order to be in that place where you're resonant. So you're creating, essentially creating harmonic field in your own yeah. environment, right? Yeah. Now, we, uh, we, that doesn't mean that it's always going to be harmonious because <laughs> harmony right. is just the management of case. Right? Yeah. Well, and... It's not the absence of it; it's the management of yeah. it. Right. Well, and and I think the the hard part for me for a long time, and probably for others, is that when it gets to the to the top brain, is that you tend to rationalize things away. Um, you know, it, it, it you know that well, can't that can't be the case because uh, whatever you know, just you you rationalize or remove things from your path. Yeah, and you get in the in the bipolar paradigm. I, I call it the polar dime. <laughs> um, because it, you know, you vacillate back and forth. Well, once you process things, you learn one of the things like Rush, you mentioned that, or Josh, that your um, meditation, right? You learn how to quiet your mind. Yeah. That's one of the primary goals of meditation. So that yep. when you ask questions, you know how to shut up and listen. Right. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> right. you can't answer questions with the information that you have. Otherwise, oh. you wouldn't have the questions. Well, and I think it's also a recognition that the answer sometimes comes um, in, in in ways or methods that are not so 
uh, in your face as well. Non-linear and non-local through uh, right. and experiential. You know, uh, we were sitting out there. Here's, here's a good one. We were sitting on back porch the other night. Energy was really high. Don't know what was going on astrologically, but um, my wife's Pisces, I'm a cancer. Neither one of us can sleep. So we were up 1130 midnight on the back porch, just talking about how, you know, self-development. We, we have these deep conversations about quantum physics and, and integration and all that kind of stuff all the time. So we were talking and, and um, she has a tendency to, to kind of pull back a little bit. And I'm, as we're talking and I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, how can I delicately bring this conversation up? And I, I hear this buzzing and I look up and there's a bee, a honeybee, right in the middle of this dome light on our ceiling, just buzzing in one place, or it looked like it, right? Obvious message. And I said, I turned and looked at her. I said, be light. <laughs> right? That's how it's simple, because we were talking about how I communicate with nature and there's some hummingbirds that I play around with. And, and there's this, it's kind of a telepathy that happens, but I don't know how the universe translates our thoughts to yeah. from our brains to the animal brains, but it does. Right. Right? Because there's some obvious communication of what you're thinking and how the, the animal responds and what it does. To, you know, that synchronicity is just not coincidence. Yeah. Right? So she'd observed that with me at the, the numerous times, and we were talking about that. And I said, now, just relax a little bit. Kind of, of you know fall into that sense of harmony and watch that be widen his circle. And of course, I didn't know. I, I just felt like that's what would happen. Yeah. So I suggested it. And so she went a little deeper and sure enough, that bee started flying in a bigger circle. Awesome. And it did it one more time as I asked her to go even deeper. So, you know, when you have those kinds of things, you recognize the, the sign, the message, you know, even as simple and silly as it was of be light, right? <laughs> right. That's really the essence because we are light, you know, we're yeah. cosmic consciousness condensed into form. Now, whether and, and as a point of light that's in our being that permeates all of our cellular structure, and it's kind of what draws together everything because of the resonance and, and the magnetism that that point of light, however infinitesimal it may be, that's how it operates. And that point of light bounces back and forth between here and the great light and however many lifetimes it is that we need in order to figure out how to take these bodies with us. Now I say that and you guys got to take our bodies with us. So it's like, what do you mean? Well, <laughs> there's some science even. There's a gal from Russia, she's an academian and my wife is from St. Petersburg, Russia. Um, she listens to a lot of these Russian videos, which I, I don't understand Russian. No, <laughs> I have to, you know, talk with her mother and her mother's 86 years old and knows very little English. Um, so anyway, um, when you're in, and oh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, the Russian video. Um, the, she's an academian, which is the highest academic honor that Russia puts on their professors and teachers and all that kind of stuff. So she's going over uh, basically reading this dissertation that presents 
all the different scientific proof, recent scientific proof that we are designed to recognize that we are cosmic consciousness and that these bodies are malleable and that we can take them with us. Hmm. You know, it's a state of mind, it's a consciousness and, and we are, and we're only limited by our beliefs, mm -hmm. right? Whatever you believe, that is so. So what I had found early on because of my experiences and, you know, with out-of-body experiences, being taken on board ships, having conversations and, and all kinds of things, you know, I had to basically suspend my belief system because there was nothing for me to, you know, have a frame of reference to deal with all of this. Hmm. So over time, you know, the, that's, you know, where the, the Zen came in eventually, that I was finally to a point evidently where I had recognized that it's really about what is. And there's a door to that, that we can all open simply by suspending our belief systems, asking the right questions and then shutting up. Because the universe doesn't have any secrets. It wants us to know. Right? Well, so that, that, and that kind of lends to a couple of uh, theories that, that I have been working with over the last year or so. Um, one of which is that um, uh, when you talk about um, spirits or haunts or ghosts or whatever people want to refer to it as, you you know you tend to break them up into two categories. You have your residual haunts, that is to say that they're like a record; they're just repeating the same activities over and over and over yeah, again, echo. and like an echo. <laughs> uh, and then you Hot have, food. and then you have your intelligent haunts, which is an actual interactive entity where you can interact with them. You can ask them to do things and they'll do it and so on and so forth. So one of the things that I've been um, kind of toying with is the idea that uh, your body is comprised of, uh, of, of like one set of energy, if you will, that your body is, is there to serve as your uh, mechanism to experience the world around you. Your body has its own operating system, if you will. It's your body. And it will it will do what it needs to do to stay alive, right? It'll eat, it'll sleep, it'll drink, it'll whatever the case may be. Your body can do those things while your higher energy, your mind, your spirit, whatever you want to call it, can then seek out and experience things to grow and, and to reach or to attempt to reach, uh, quote unquote, enlightenment. And so... When you when you buy, when you die when your body ceases to exist the energy that was your body uh, continues to repeat itself throughout minutes. throughout the uh, throughout the cosmos and your your spirit energy uh, goes on to do whatever else it goes on to do re-inhabit another body experience things in another dimension whatever the case may be and so just kind of that thought that you know your body is uh, malleable and you could take it with you. Um, would, would I guess tie into that whole my thought of your body has its own energy and if you can um, uh, manipulate it's not the right word but um, uh, bend if you will that energy of your body you can uh, ask it to do things that uh, maybe like you say that you just have to believe that it can do exactly and it's Mind, body, spirit management. It's a it's a holistic system that operates on the concept of oneness. Yeah. Um, and we don't necessarily understand exactly what that is. I've got a little bit more of an idea because I've experienced it by having a near death experience, being into the light and going to the other side, 
get my marching orders and coming back and going, wow. And the, the essence of that was that I understood that we are cosmic consciousness condensed into form because that was my experience, mm -hmm. right? So the, the experience system replaced a belief system at that point. Right. Yeah. Um, then f further on to mention, as you were talking about this, I was thinking of a good friend of mine, uh, his nickname was Blab. Grew up with him, he was, uh, we had some very mischievous times as kids. So after I moved out here to Phoenix, about three weeks later, um, he was out partying in a neighboring town, was driving his motorcycle home, missed a curve, went over a, a embankment, launched the bike over a creek, embedded it in the other side and broke his neck, died. And his ex and daughter happened to be out here with another friend of ours that she'd remarried. And they'd come over for dinner because we didn't have that many friends. We hadn't, we'd been in town maybe a month and a half. And so they, they came over and uh, we were talking about Steve a little bit. That was his given name. And Bob had mentioned, that was my other friend, that uh, one night he would, was living, he and Julie were living in uh, a friend of, of his old home and he had died of a brain tumor and they'd had a pact before he died that he was supposed to come back and let him know what the other side was like. Hmm. So one night Bob's sound asleep and he's having a dream with Steve in it. And he realizes that he's having a dream with Steve in it. And he goes, well, wait a minute, man, you're not supposed to be here. You're dead. And so Steve <laughs> said, Steve says to him, I just got tired of listening to the crickets. Right. And so Bob sits straight up in bed, looks around the room. It looks identical to Steve's room as a teenager. And then he closes his eyes, you know, and, and, and it changes back and he wakes his wife up and grabs a kid and they go back into town, <laughs> scared to death. Right. So they leave. We go to bed. Um, room's pitch black. I think my wife's asleep. I'm laying there. And so I pray and which is kind of what I do. And I said, Jesus, if it be your will, your will be done. Can I talk to Steve, this friend of mine, right? And so I start telepathically, Steve, Steve, are you out there? Steve, can you hear me? Eyes closed, right? Nothing. So I yell it out a little louder, nothing. Yell it out even louder, nothing. Then I realized, oh, man, there's probably a few Steves out there. Duh. <laughs> you know? So, you know, it's like, hey, blab, man. Are you out there? Can you hear me? And then I hear, Bruce, is that you? And his face appears right in the center mm -hmm. of my vision. And at the same instant, my wife raises up off the pillow and she goes, Bruce, what are you doing? And I said, nothing. Why? And she says, I just saw Steve's face and I tried blinking my eyes and he wouldn't go away. And so at that point, it was real. Right. Yeah. So I had tears running around, running down my face, and, and she didn't see that because it was dark. But just the joy of that realization. So I say to her, I said, okay, immediately upon cessation of life, it's been proven medically that the body uh, loses 21 grams or, or thereabouts. And so mass has, weight has mass, mass has form. I wonder if we can see him with our eyes open. And she goes, I don't know, I'm scares me, I'm going back to bed, you do whatever you want. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I lay back down, leave my eyes open, and, you know, black, can I see you? Hmm. And this gray mist appears at the end of the bed, and then his form takes form, right? Hmm. 
And so he's standing there, he's six foot four, five, something like that, long hair, he's got his flannel shirt and jeans on, just like he usually did. And all I could say was far fucking out, man. Uh, tell me, can you travel with a thought? That was just rapid fire, yeah. right? No time in between. And he goes, don't know. And I see trails going out of the room and trails coming back. And I sensed that he went back home and then came back. So mm. he shows up. I said, you go back home. He said, yeah. You know, then, uh, you know, again, all I could think of was far fucking out, man. <laughs> um, pardon the French. Hope your viewers don't mind. No, they don't. But um, <laughs> so the next thing I, I'm thinking to myself, and I say, hey, now, wait a minute. I know how powerful my mind can be. Am I projecting your image there or are you really there? Mm -hmm. And at that point, I feel the sheets move across my feet and I look uh, closer at the end of the bed. He's got his foot up on the end of the bed. It actually moved. He's got his elbow and his hand and his hand resting on his knee. And he's smiling at me like a Cheshire cat. And he says, how's that? Mm. That's awesome. So, at that point, the energy in me was so high, I could no longer just lay still. Yeah. So I got up, threw some clothes on, walked a mile down the road, got a pack of, of cool menthols at the time, <laughs> and spent two hours talking with him about what he might be able to do, the kinds of things he might be able to encounter. Because he was a newbie, right? He knew nothing and evidently didn't have anybody to guide him yet. So just to have that kind of conversation yeah. that, and the questions and things that came up about what was capable, you know, was pretty cool. And, and that's, you know, probably the most elaborate experience I've had with that. I've been a necromancer for most of my life and, and it's not something I do spontaneously or, or yeah. well, actually it is spontaneous. It's not something I do as a regular thing. Yeah. You know, I'm no James Von Pra, right? But I can do it. Uh, I only do it when I feel that it's important to do so. Yeah. Um, I was over in uh, Pacific Palisades, uh, lived in a canyon there for a little bit. And the guy that rented the place, uh, that Jamie Summers had lived there before him. And there was a couple of spirits there she just could not get rid of. So she asked him if he'd like to take over the rent. He built her a bunch of furniture. And so he took the house over and um, and recognize, yeah, they're there. And, and they did some things to try and get rid of them. Now, I didn't know any of this initially. So when we first met, I was with some friends up on the hill. Um, we were at a, an ISIS channeling of all things. And afterwards, this guy that I just mentioned, his name's Carl, walks up to me and says, you know, Jesus told me I got to tell you about this house I'm renting and you need to come see it. And I'm with two other guys. I'm driving. So I look at them. I said, do you mind? I said, no, let's go. So we moved down Sunset Boulevard, hit PCH, and about a quarter mile south of PCH, or of Sunset Boulevard off of PCH, is this canyon. It's a 37-acre canyon. It's got one house at the base of it and, and houses up around the rim. So we pull in, walk into the house, and I, my solar plexus just feel really uncomfortable for some reason. And I'm like, hmm, what's going on here? Don't say anything. Or I didn't say anything to him. So he gives us the tour of the house. And then uh, he and uh, one of his roommates and my two friends sit down at this table that he's got. And they're talking and I'm 
standing next to him and I'm my training is that when I'm feeling something like that I just breathe in and pull that energy down and through and move it out through my solar plexus which I did not thinking anything about it you know my solar plexus calmed down it was cool so Carl takes us to see the rest of the canyon and on the way back he's explaining how he got the house and by the time we get back to the very end of the road uh, he's explaining you know he stops and he says I don't know where these or who these spirits are or whatever and I said well they're not there anymore mm-hmm. he says what do you mean and about that time one of my friends who had continued walking a, a little bit walks back up he says I don't know what's going on over here there's a couple of spirits that don't want to seem to leave mm-hmm. and I turned to Carl and I said see <laughs> and and so my other friend Steve he says like what's going on what are you talking about and I said Carl tell him the story and so as he was telling him the story I back up and I turn to look where Steve had just come back from I'm eyes open don't see anything eyes closed don't see anything as soon as I you know I'm looking with my eyes closed I hear blow a portal I'm like I never heard that before okay so <laughs> I imagine I have no idea what it's going to look like I just imagine blowing a portal and I extend my hands and I breathe towards this area and I see this molten shaft of light that um, has a, per- a parabola that opens up of pure white light and when it does I see these two figures and they're looking at me like who the hell are you <laughs> and all I was prompted to say to them was you can go if you want as I extended my hand toward the parabola so they look at it they look back at me and then they look at it and walk in now it took less time for it to happen than it did for me to explain it mm-hmm. yeah right so I turn back around and I'm and I walk back and I said Steve take a look and he looks and he, <laughs> he turns to me and says damn you're fast what'd you do he didn't see the portal but I told him about what happened. So a couple days later, I went down, spent a month in Chile, came back and actually lived there for a while. And, and the day that I got back, Carl said that he saw droves of spirit bodies going towards that portal. I wasn't told to close it, right? So, you know, you, you hear this kind of stuff and you wonder, and it's like, all right, these things happening, um, there seems to be some beneficial outcome because those guys had kind of been trapped, right? For whatever reason, and they just needed an exit strategy. Well, I, evidently I gave it to them. Yeah. And I didn't question the ability or anything. I, I just, this is what yeah. I saw. This is what I felt. This is what I heard. This is what I did. The rest of it, you know. Ex- acceptance is key, right? Yeah. So just, just accepting yeah. whatever you're being asked to do don't question if you can don't question if you should don't question if it's real just accept it and do whatever you're being asked to. that's what i was gonna say that's why i like you so much right you remind me of me because i've always been that way i teach i've been teaching and doing improv for 20 something years and it's yes and right and so my metaphysical yeah, exactly and yes and that stuff that's how i've always been so it's the same thing if somebody's like i'm gonna need you to blow open a portal i'm like mm, hold on 
okay. <laughs> right? And I do it. And I've always just been there. My sister, who's a very talented medium, though, is the exact opposite. She's always been so scared and worried about how to do things, even though she has this massive gift. But and I had to kind of teach her how to get these people this exit strategy. And she's the one with that gift, right? But it's because right. it's me. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> well, it, 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 it really. I was going to say that whole that whole kind of uh, parabola of light that that is actually Stefan. When I uh, remember seeing uh, when we did the Bardstown and we helped. Oh, your uh, first ghost hunt with me. Yeah. Our first ghost hunt that we actually helped somebody uh, cross crossover. Yeah, I've so. always taken my metaphysics into my ghost hunt. I know a lot of ghost hunters hate that, but I don't care. And, <laughs> but yeah, you had some crazy. You know, you got to show energy. up and be authentic, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the more authentic you can be, the more genuine you are and the more open you become to just being present. And when you're present, man, you're open to just to service, whatever it is that that is intended to happen for the best interests of everyone involved will take place. Yep. And especially because it's like if you have that gift or you're open to that stuff and you know that those spirits are there, you can't not help them like so even if i'm in with a group of you know sciencey ghost hunters i'm still gonna be like all right guys all right just shut up for a minute i cannot get steve behind me he's just talking to me and he yeah, really yeah. needs help out of here i i'm sorry i'm just gonna do this <laughs> like i don't care it's like hang on a minute while i reorient my third eye yeah <laughs> bloop, bloop, bloop. <laughs> let me get my chi going here <laughs> Um, you know, it's something else. So I, I will admit that uh, we've talked a little bit about it on the show uh, of late about in, during our segment that we do called Creepy Ketchup. Um, but I have been um, uh, channeling something and I don't know what. And I've been struggling. Uh, we, you know, the, the name that it gives me is Indrid Cold, uh, the, the kind of famous, you know, Indrid Cold from West Virginia back in 1966. Um, but um, I have been struggling a lot with um, trusting, accepting, it. and trusting <laughs> that it's real. And so I feel like because I just Why? said the words, I, I know. Why? Why? Okay, so hang on, Josh. Do you experience it? Yes. Then it's real. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's the same thing. I mean, forever before he started getting into this, his wife would always say to me when I would have psychic moments or terror, she'd be like, well, he does do improv. How can you trust it? And I'm like, well, Josh, you don't do improv and you're going through it now. So so you're improvising better than I I'm going to break rank a little bit. And um, so there's a guy, I'm not going to use the name um, because he's pretty well known. Um, But I stood next to him one night and listen to him and I'm pretty astute in observing and, and I've got a really quick wit and uh, and fast mind so I can I have a friend who speaks six languages from Taiwan he runs a team of, of IBM programmers like 50,000 of them right and for a while I was the only guy he'd hang with because I could track him he was so tangential yeah right and I can do that and bring it back to center. So when you're able to do that, you can kind of observe on a lot of different levels simultaneously. Yeah. Well, so I'm watching this guy and I'm hearing a lot of really uh, great practice, quick uh, responses because he reads people well. And people generally have the same kinds of questions, right? And then he made a comment about the grades, which I knew absolutely to be false 
because of my own direct mm -hmm. experience. So at that point, it's like, ah, huh? I thought so. Right? Um, so you got to be careful of that. Again, uh, trust your gut. Mm -hmm. Right? If you're going to go into a situation, you've got to be real and, and you're going to know. Everybody has the same system for discernment. We just don't use it. You know, it's like our yeah. body's an instrument. We just don't know how to tune it yet. Well, and that's and that's something. So that's our, our good friend Santosh. You know, we, he and I had a good a long conversation about what I basically need to be able to do is um, is I need to ask for evidence in a way that is not make that leaf move. <laughs> you know, because it's it's too. Um, well, it's interesting to try to ask for evidence from something you don't understand how its own power works, right? Well, yeah, correct. That you you hit the nail on the head, Stefan, but not too hard. No, you, no. You, I got to keep them alive. I can't do this. Yeah, we got to be tender, right? Um, it, it's just a frontal lobotomy. It, it, <laughs> right. it's, it's a little tap and a twist. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, and you will there. be injured cold for real, <laughs> right? Um, you know, there's consciousness is available everything is available and you know some of it because it's all tied together through all kinds of different mechanisms that are that are intertwined and for you maybe there's some lineage involvement there um whether it's your soul lineage or your genetic lineage or a combination of both um or even just the particular frequency that you're at right now is resonant with theirs. Mm -hmm. And so there, you know, it's like radio where you, you've got that open channel. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and those kinds of things happen, you know, and, uh, my wife's kind of the same way. I'm, I'm really open and yet I'm still skeptical because I, I just, I am right. Cause I've experienced enough that I can be right. Um, she, when we first met, I knew that she'd had some experiences with beings from other worlds. We didn't really talk about it a whole lot. And then one day um, we were we were talking about it and I said, well, I just felt like I could in introduce her to him because she didn't really know what his name was or and she'd only got a glimpse of him. Um, and I had certified hypnotherapist. I take people in to do those kinds of things. Right. So in the process, um, she's viewing all of this and there's like this room full of cherubs that are just dancing around in, in all kinds of happy space. Right. And, and she senses that it's because that they're, we're actually engaging with them and we're interested enough to do so. So then she asked her cohort to step up and introduce himself. So one steps forward and he introduces himself as Nick. And so I said, okay, so, and as soon as I am thinking ask him to reveal his true form, she says, he's a gray, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, so I didn't even have to get it out. So fast forward to our wedding night, we're overlooking the Ridge Golf Course in Sedona after our wedding dinner and uh, we're just kind of lounging and all of a sudden she feels Nick connecting with her. Mm -hmm. And it freaks her out, she doesn't know what to do. And she's talking to me, the whole thing, and I'm like, just chill, right? It's all okay. I know it's, you know, beyond what, you know, the experiences that you've had today, but just allow it to take place. And, and she said, well, he's trying to tell me something. And I said, okay, listen. 
right? Just shut up and listen for a minute. I didn't say it like that, but yeah, um, that would have been the wrong thing to say to a Russian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she, um, and this was kind of bizarre because it tied right into my life. And, and she says that Nick's trying, uh, Nick says to me that they are proud that I am now the bride of Ashtar's son. So that's another can of worms that I've had to deal with for probably 35 years that I've known of. Mm -hmm. uh, my daughter and I went to, I was part of a New Age Alliance here in Phoenix, just back before your time, <laughs> Stefan. Uh, Damn a group. it. I was like, I already want to join. Where's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a really cool group. It, it was a uh, 35, at the time that I joined, it was 27 members. And those members were actually the leaders of other groups, churches, uh, schools, businesses that were all uh, of a new age flavor, right? Mm -hmm. So this is our collective to show uh, the world what the reality of the accountability and responsibility for the yeah. new age is from a metaphysical perspective. So there, were, um, there was a group that applied for entrance i was an investigator for them so i went out and i took my nine or eight-year-old daughter with me at crystal and i introduced myself on the way in tell him why i'm there first time i've met him he has no idea who i am other than i'm there to investigate for the new age alliance right mm -hmm. so we're sitting in the back of the of the living room there's 30 35 people uh he's a uh, full trance channel what gets up, walks around, looks in your eyes, and, you know, and does all that oh, kind yeah. of stuff. And so he engages a few people and, and then he comes over and stands and walks to the back of the room, stands in front of me, looks in my eyes. He said, you're still looking for your parents, aren't you? Hmm. And I'm like, ah, ah, uh, 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 you know, how can I deny that right. truth? Right. And how the hell did he pick up on it? So, I said, well, yeah, I've given up my terrestrial search because I come up with anything and I've turned it to the celestial site. He said, well, that's good. You'd still like to know what the names are, wouldn't you? And I'm like, well, yeah. And he said, well, they are. And all I heard was uh and uh. <laughs> and then, you know, so I'm embarrassed at that point because I missed it. Right. I don't know how I did it, but I blocked it. And so that prohibited me from asking any more questions. And I felt so silly. You know, I couldn't say, you know, what'd you say? <laughs> so I said, thank you very much. And just kind of went on. And so he goes on and I turned to my daughter and I asked her, I said, what do you say? And she says, Ashtar and Athena. Uh, no. So I had kind of a domino effect because of the type of childhood that I had and the experiences of going on board a, an orange cigar shaped cloud or going into one. Mm -hmm. I never was able to retain what was happening inside. And I could not wait to go back when I would wake up in the morning. Yeah. It was that kind of thing. It happened when I was eight to 10 years old, uh, still in Indiana, rural community. And then, uh, right before, a couple of months before we moved to Phoenix, I was in a metaphysical bookstore in Muncie and this book falls off the shelf in front of me, right? Nobody around. I walk over, covers up, it's Ruth Montgomery's 
Strangers Among Us. Mm. I pick it up. I turn it over. First paragraph that I read, paraphrase, says the most common contactee experience in the Midwest in the late 50s and early 60s was the orange cigar-shaped cloud. Wow. Man. And I had not thought about it since that time. Even with the NDE that I had in college, I hadn't connected. You know, they were still two different worlds to me. Right? I didn't see them as part of the same. So when I read that, it was like, oh shit, it is all connected. Right? Because I was getting early training of understanding the nature of our being and the abilities that we have that are innate and how and really how to use them. Because I've been an empath, a, yeah. whatever you want to call it, psychic, um, since a kid, right? Telepath. I've bilocated, I've teleported one time, don't know how I did it, can't repeat it, but I did it. Um, so I know these things and, and there's just enough to know that they're possible, yeah, right? Yeah. And why? Because I experienced it. I don't really care whether you believe me or not, that's not up to me. Well, and it, it's funny, right. you, you know, you, when you talk about that, um, I don't care if you believe me or not. So one of the things that I recently come to the realization of is that everything that I experience is for me. Um, I share it on this show, right. To let other people know that, that they're not alone, Exactly. but, I, but I'm not trying to convert anyone. I'm just, yeah, all, everything that I experience is for me and my own personal uh, journey. Yeah, so. and to let others know they're not alone. And right. then I was going to say two things I've been hanging on to because this is fascinating. The first one I wanted to say is Josh will remember this because a long time ago, uh, back when I was still living in Louisville, I took a trip back home to Toledo. And on the road at night, I saw the most fascinating phenomenon I'd seen in forever. And I've got a video of it. And it's just this bright orange cloud. So I'm already freaking out here. Okay, that you're talking about this. I mean, it's like light, and I get underneath of it, and it, everything's around me is illuminated. My wife is passed oh, yeah, through this fluorescent. thing, and I'll have to show you this video sometime. If you remind me, I'll send it to you on Messenger. Oh, I would love. It. Yeah, you know, and, we, and I looked. I did everything I could to try to figure out where that light came from because it just sat there. For, I mean, I was looking at it for like a half hour as I'm driving towards. I mean, there it. was like nothing around. No, there's no cities. Yeah, there's there no was fire. no factory, no fire, no nothing. Um, it's fascinating. The other thing. And so I just wanted to mentally put that cause I'm going to share that with you cause it's going to be cool. awesome. The other thing, Josh, and I don't even know if I've shared this with you, but to, to kind of add to uh, your therapy session here is that, um, <laughs> years ago when I was in, uh, I guess, I think in college, I was staying at my friend Mary Taylor's house and I was there for a few days and um, I had a spirit or an entity that came to me three nights in a row in the dream. And um, every night they came and they were in the visage of this person. Oh, had to be in college that this person that I went to Western Kentucky University with someone that I was not friends with, but I saw in the arts building all the time. This person was in marching band and I we I guess we always had classes near each other all the time. I never knew them. I never knew their name or anything, but I saw them and I always remember them because this person was very androgynous looking and that always struck me, um, I guess my hairband love and so this person was very androgynous looking and i always just thought that's a good looking person you know like you could really hit either way and i just always remember that anyways this spirit or entity took on that visage and i remember on the third night i finally said 
are you that are you that kid that I went to college that I was at college with? And they're like, no, no, no. I I just used something that would be familiar for you so that you would be comfortable when I came to talk to you. And, um, you know, and I said, well, what do you really look like? And he said, it doesn't matter what I look like. This is just a way for me to communicate to you so that you're comfortable, because if I had used something else, you might have been scared or distrustful and um, and shared a lot of things with me over those three days. But, Josh, that's what I say about the injured cold thing, whether it's injured or not, it may be using that visage or that voice of injured cold, because that's something you're very interested in. You've put a lot of belief into um, and could have used that to help you find that trust so that it could speak to you through you. But yeah. it also could be too. Uh, but I just wanted to share that with you, Josh, because I, like I said, I don't think I've ever shared that with you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, uh, fearscape paranormal podcast slash therapy, uh, podcast, um, <laughs> but no, yeah, but thanks no, for that, yeah, yeah but, well, that's know, what I, we always joke. Cause I read tarot and I said, it's always therapy. It's, it's really oh. not down the future. It's I'm just giving you therapy through my card, but you know, what I was going to say is, but you know, because of the words that I just said around acceptance around, you know, you just have to accept mm-hmm. that whatever is giving you whatever it's giving you. It's giving you, you those things for a reason. Just like, and I'm I'm gonna say this and sound really corny, but I like I really feel like uh, Zen that you know the universe sent you to us for us to be able to okay. have this conversation at this point in time because you being on the show this at uh, this very instance has has really helped me in my personal journey and if, and if we would have had this conversation a month <laughs> ago or six weeks ago i don't know that it would have been as impactful for me that it is tonight so tonight is when this conversation was supposed to happen perfect timing uh, you know i'm a progressive drummer <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so just a side, right? Um, you know, just you for just me, had a momentary lapse of reason. No. For me, yeah. For me, um, a life of showing up on time has been really cool. Um, it, and it happens, you know, it, it's in the most humble, respectful, honorable way of just being present and open and, and willing to be a conduit for whatever it is that needs to happen. And it's all good. It's, it, I've never had a, a negative experience. I've, I've met some beings that had some really strong energy that had I not at least been a, a, able to understand that their frequency was too high for me at the time and I had to get out of my way in order, right? Because there was that shock and, and if I'd been prone to a fight or flight, I'd have been out the door, right? But I wasn't, so I took a breath and, and allowed it, and then I was able to ascend to their level, and the the frequency was just amazing. You know, it's like when you're in the light, there's this effervescent, iridescent sensation that's really high pitched at the same time, and it's not a it's not a sound; it's a sensation, mm-hmm. right? So, imagine if you walked with that. Right, because once you have that experience, it's a file in a folder that you can recall. Yeah. So if you're hearing it, go off. By the way. Cool. (laughs) So you know, I was talking a little bit uh, earlier today that 
Um, I was filling out some stuff for an event that I'm going to be presenting at uh, not this week and next week. And it's called Rebuild, and it's about uh, building regenerative communities. And there are almost 50 speakers from around the world, and I'm presenting a plan that I have for model community. Um, I wrote a business plan back in 2002 for it, and it was they had <laughs> way ahead of schedule. So anyway, sidebar. Um, bringing the tangent back. <laughs> the um, gosh, that was too much fun. I, I almost didn't want to bring it back. Um, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so we were talking about the heart pulse, right? Yep. And you get those subtle, you know, in there. I usually get three when there's an activity that is lining up to be pretty special, mm -hmm. right? And you don't know what's coming. You just know it's going to be pretty cool. So whatever that that sensation or, or that vibration that you're feeling in your gut, you're not sure whether to, to term it as anxiety or anticipation. Yep. I would err on the side of anticipation, mm -hmm. right? Because it's a it's letting you know something cool is about to happen. Pay attention, be you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's kind of the paradox of focus is you have to be unfocused. Right. Yes. Yep. God's yes. <laughs> um, so th those kinds of, of things are, are really interesting to, you know, go through the process of, of learning. One of the things you mentioned, uh, uh, Stefan, of the whatever it was coming in and the visage coming in, seeing you. Um, back in college, we had this. Um, well, I had a good friend that he and I spent a lot of time and did a lot of exploration in our mental capacities to see what we could do telepathically, psychokinetically. We'd move pool walls. We'd play the tabletop shuffleboard, you know. That's what me and Santosh always did through college, too, I guess. So, <laughs> you know, and when you're in that place and you don't have the responsibilities that you do as you get older, mm -hmm. your mind's a lot freer and, and those abilities are a lot more present so you can play with them more easily. So... We're in my room one night and he and I are kind of going back and forth between telepathy and, and verb, uh, verbal just so we can make sure that we're uh, having a, a clear communication. And we kept hearing these women, these girls laughing. Couldn't figure out. It was like, you know, if I said, do you hear those girls laughing? He says, yeah. And, and like, where the hell are they coming from? And so I'm, I live in the honors dorm and we're in my room and, it's four stories. I'm on the top floor. He's in an eight-story building across the the uh, road from it. And so I look over in the windows, and they're close enough where you can see figures in the window. You can't determine what they, you know, their details. But I look over there, and I see these two two girls, and I think, are you laughing at us? And I hear, of course we are. We've been listening to you for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, so I don't know if this is real or not. I'll tell you what. If this is real, meet us out front in 10 minutes. Now, this is middle of winter, so it's cold, it's snowy. Uh, we'd had a bunch of snow. So we put our coats on, went downstairs to meet them. And instead of meeting them, we walk out front, and there's a big open area to the west of the dorm in between it and the cafeteria that was an honors dorm cafeteria. There's enough room for you know, a good 50, 
no, I'd say uh, um, 50 yards probably. Um, it was great for throwing a Frisbee, right? So we feel like there's this tug over that direction. We walk over there and there's an entire circle of people silently lobbing snowballs one at a time at each other. And the person who's throwing it says, this is me, as they throw it. So the voice recognition could be, you know, Mm -hmm. right? And this stuff is happening before we get there. So we take, you know, we jump in the circle like, wow, man, this is cool. And I'm a little exuberant, as you can tell. So I, I had to kind of calm myself. But there was a, a small cadre of people that kind of hung together after that, that I was part of. And we had all kinds of experiments with telepathy of, you know, sending a message, hey, meet me at this place at this time uh, on this day. And then we'd, I'd show up and sure enough, they'd be there. So, and vice versa. Right. And there was six or eight of us that did this for a couple of months. And then we went on. Right. It's like, OK, we, what else are we going to do? You know, because there really wasn't any kind of practical application for it at that time. It was just a game we were playing because we could. Right. We really didn't think that there was any dangers in it because there didn't seem to be. And none of us had any kind of malevolent intent, wanting to manipulate people or anything like that. I found that those who do it at work. Yeah. Right. Or they'll get uh blowback that it they're not. Fires. Yeah. Cause this is all, it's intentional. You have to be pure of heart in order to be able to do these things. Yeah. And we're not always able to be there, but sometimes we are. Right. Well, what was it, uh, Stefan, you'd say, Tosh used to call that witch, witch mail. Was that what you said? Yeah. We used to call it witch mail. Like, um, and sure. It's something, uh, parents and kids or siblings or really, really close friends tend to do. I mean, yep. uh, Santosh and I in college all the time used to be like, I need, we didn't, you know, this is back in the days of phone cards. So we didn't have cell phones or anything. And so we'd be like, we didn't have any phone cards. And we were like, God, I need my mom to call me, um, you know? And so we would put out the witch mail because uh, both of our moms sure. were kind of psychic like that. And we put that out there and man, within sometimes an hour, our mom, one of our moms would call or right. with each other, you know, like on campus, we just and we all of a sudden we'd be because our third friend Mary Taylor, same person who I talked to, she was actually um, the librarian at the school. That's where we all met. And uh, but she we Santosh would look at me and he'd go, oh, Mary Taylor needs us, and we'd be like, we got got some witch mail. <laughs> right. Well, you know what's funny? I'm, I'm going to bring it back to the present and see if we can you know, kind of take this and move it towards something that might be applicable for your listeners, especially right now, right? Because we're turning the Great Reset into the Great Awakening. Yep. And in order to do that, uh, one of the things that I felt was possible and maybe inevitable was that at the beginning, the, um, the obsession on self-hygiene and sequestration, right? That's a behavioral modification plan. And what that does is it also begins to seep inward. So as you're, you know, making sure your outer is clean, then it starts seeping inward and and you start cleaning up your inner world. And, and, you know, you determine, hey, what do I stand for? Who am I? What what do I believe in? What, you know, what am I, you know, maybe even to the point of what am I willing to die for? I was willing to die for truth. And I did. That's what got me into the white light. 
had no idea what truth was, right? I just knew that cosmic consciousness was what I was willing to die for. So in today's world now with that inner development, we're at a place where we really, you know, there's a, a forced division among people right now, the vaxxers and the non-vaxxers, right? And I haven't worn a mask, won't wear a mask, will not get vaccine, and that's my choice. I'm not going to make choices for others. We still have to learn how to get along and work together in order to come out of this in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Right? So, you know, Jose Arguez and I had a conversation many years ago about what this time was going to be like. And of course, if you know who that is, he brought out the Mayan calendar, the harmonic convergence. And uh, so he was the, the guy that kind of brought all that to the Western world. Well, in the, the transition from the harmonic convergence, which was in 87, the galactic window basically closes in 2037. There was a 50 year window. The apex of that's like the waxing waning of the moon, right? So the waxing then is the development of awareness and consciousness at greater levels among humanity. And it kind of paralleled the information curve going up to the winter solstice of 2012. So what happens when you hit the tipping point? Well, the natural inclination is to take that understanding and want to share it with everyone, put it back into existing systems, revamp everything so that it's in alignment with natural order, which is what you just learned about, right? So in that process, those things that aren't, that aren't, that aren't, they're not. Hey, the nerd. So... Um, that was almost like a Ren, Ren and Stippy. Um, so anyway, um, in that process, then those things that don't resonate will come to the surface for view for everybody to see. And there's not going to be any um, mistaken identity, right, of, what's, yeah. of what is, right? So now the science has come out. We know you know, whether it's a pandemic or fallacious narrative, it, it, uh, kind of Howard Bloom's book, Lucifer Principle, gets into how small groups of people manipulate massive populations with lies by repeating them over and over again until everybody believes them to be true. And they're in a place of authority where they can do that, right? Because no, people want to believe, right? That's our natural, we want yeah. to believe, right? So if we don't have the discernment filters in place, we'll believe anything, we're told. So now we're caught in, and even Greed's come forward, he's a vaccine developer, he's worked for Gates. He says, you don't want to put this vaccine in your body because it, it, it's targeted, it's not going to work. And even Cox postulates haven't been proven, which means you extract the, the virus, you bring it down to its pure form, and then you put it in another host, and you see the effect on it, right? None of that; those experiments, have, they've been tried. They can't distill the virus. So, um, and there's a number of virologists that, that in the world that are trying to do this. They haven't been able to. So that's the science, right? And Greed says, you don't want to do this. You want to create a, a because it, it will harm the natural immune system so it won't be able to fight off what it's supposed to. And then there's his idea that we need it. The type of vaccine that we need actually empowers the body's own immune system. 
doesn't alter it. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense, right? That hasn't been developed yet. So he's just saying, <laughs> hang on, don't do this. So, and I'm sure there's a lot of blowback for that. And there's a lot of people who believe that they need to be vaccinated and you can't fly with that, you can't do this or that. And those are unfortunate circumstances and constrictions that we're in right now. That will pass, right? Because sense will be made common soon at a theater near you. <laughs> well, you know, you talk about um, the connected connectiveness of the world and how we need to, you know, all kind of start to to see these things and realize these things. And so um, I, I don't know your opinion on the man, but that, that's kind of seems to be the at least the public message of uh, Stephen Greer is that he wants to get people, you know, 1% around the world to meditate in hopes that if 1% of the world consistently meditates, it will lift uh, through just connectivity, you know, connectiveness. It will lift the overall uh, frequency of the earth and we'll, we'll be able to move ourselves, the human race, into the next level of being. And so I was just, you know, <clears throat> that kind of thing, I I've guess. I've known Stephen for years. I met him in 97. Um, I think his interviews were great. I think that concept, which I held for quite some time, is like, okay, if we could just get people to see the thoughtmosphere. I believe that works. But from what I get from the guys that I work with upstairs, we need to be practical and pragmatic and put our skill set to proper use. And it doesn't happen through meditation. It happens through putting the boots on the ground, putting one foot in front of the other, and learning how to work together better in order to create the world that we need. Yeah. Well, and I, I guess what I was going to say is, is meditation is just a, I think, is a, a gateway, if you will, for a lot of people to start thinking differently. It, oh, it, totally agree with that. I'm a, a huge proponent of being able to, you know, as a mm -hmm. transformational life coach, right? I help right. people change <laughs> how they see themselves right. and tap into that inner strength that they have and recognize, you know, that they are all powerful. You just have to get out of your way and, and let the universe work. Yeah. You know, I have a client that, that she came to me six months ago and her dream was to have her own TV show. She was already an established artist and, and was kind of in the field, but, you know, she, she didn't know quite how to go about it. Well, within this last month, they did a, a um, feature show for her on a show similar to Mike Rose, um, uh, the paying it forward kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? And so they featured her for an episode, and then the producer liked her so much that he pitched her a show of her own. That's awesome. Mm. So, which brought us back, right? She's a very devout believer. And... So I use the adage where two or more are gathered. Now, so where two come to an agreement and they agree that something is true, even though it may not be manifest yet. Yeah. Right. It is bound to do so. Right. Because then you let go. You just it's your attention, intention and interaction. So you you interact with life kind of like you act as if. Right. And this is in a lot of the business philosophy of goal setting and, and reaching your vision, things like that. You've got to plan it. You've got to break it back. And then you got to step into it and act as if it is so. 
right? And it becomes so because that's where your energy goes. John English calls it the momentum tunnel. So those kinds of things are where we're going to be shortly when this, when the demasking and the vaccination kind of all begins to subside and our economies are working together. Uh, you know, it's like this virtual workshop or seminar that I'm part of this next weekend. Um, over 50 people from around the globe. It's self-initiated. That's what it all is. Whereas, you know, what's the self? It's the self, right? It's the individuation of the big self. Right. There's no ego without we go in that place. Right? Ego is not a bad thing yep. at all. It's designed to help us to accomplish well, it's, it's hard. It's hard to put yourself into something that you don't see yourself being a part of, right? So, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And so, how do you how do you do that? How do you see yourself as a part, right? Because we think, oh my gosh, I don't know my purpose. I don't know my mission. I don't know what to do. Well, there's stuff right in front of you. Do that, mm-hmm. and do it to the best of your ability. And you continue to do that and you look in the mirror and you know you're giving your best because you can't lie to yourself in the mirror, right? There's a cool exercise that I found in college. I was tripping one night and then <laughs> I went into the bathroom and of course, you know, I got mirrors facing each other. So you see all this, it's like infinity mirrors, right? Yeah. right. So I stand in front of the mirror and I, and I focus on my eyes and I look into each eye and I, and I have my right eye focusing on my right eye in the mirror, my left eye focusing on my left eye. And then I get to the point, of course, the third eye comes in and, you know, then you have a, a one eye and then, because as you're defocusing in order to gain the focus of that, you see all kinds of stuff. And even you can see your face more into other faces. So that's one way to see your own past lives when you work with it long enough. Mm. One of the things that happened was that I noticed the difference in between the thoughts when I focused on my right eye and the thoughts when I focused on the left eye, hmm. right? One was a little fuzzier, more, you know, open. The other was a little more defined. It's like the analytical and the creative side, you know, learning how to talk to each other, hmm. which is really what the corpus callosum does. It's membrane in between mm-hmm. hemispheres. Right. And that's and that's uh, kind of relates to the, the gateway experience that uh, we've been messing around with, which is all about hemisync um, type stuff. So I don't know. If, <laughs> so I was doing that seventies with mm-hmm. Tom Campbell's initial. Um, and I love, you know, my book one right behind me, they're stubbing my toe on purpose. <laughs> um, I named that in honor of Tom and he's got some amazing stuff. It's uh in one of his MBT uh, global meditations the other day. It was a phenomenal experience. Uh, what again con- kind of concerns me is that, okay, there's an experience of this. Uh, he, his work is, t- is explaining to a left brain thing, how a right brain, how right brain works. Right. Yeah. Um, or at least that's what he attempts to do. So there is a lot of explanation. There's a lot of long drawn out stuff. And I think you can break through all that just by providing an experience. Right. So 
as we learn how to do these things, you, you have an experience uh, like playing the piano in the background. That's my wife. <laughs> um, so there's this, you know, can you imagine fingers, right, left brain, you know, to be able to manage that and, and to play, to be able to sight read the masters and, right. you know, and to be able to play it with, yeah. she's just amazing. So that kind of, um, and this is why music and arts are so necessary in education, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's whole brain training. Yes. We don't yep. get that. Right. Uh, so the, this kind of activity brings us into understanding of we don't have to be fearful of each other, which is what the pandemic's done. Right. It's made us afraid of each other. Mm-hmm. So how do we get through that? You know, we have first have to acknowledge is that it has. Right. The first thing, the last thing that people want to afraid. But their actions show it. Yeah. Right. But when you say, hey, you know, oh, you're just a, a well, no, I'm doing, a, you know, there's all kinds of, of liabilities, limitations, and excuses that prohibit them from change. change. So I've got an old adage, of, you know, the challenge to change. So the three letters difference, the LLE and challenge, you take it out, it becomes change. Well, what's that? I just told you liabilities, limitations, and excuses. Hmm. Amen. <laughs> I got all kinds of little quips and, you know, funny well, stuff. Uh, well, I, I'll say, Zen, um, I, I will honestly say I could talk to you for several more hours, but for uh, sure, this is an experience, <laughs> but I want to, I want to be mindful of your time and, and our listeners time. Uh, they can always pause and come back, but uh, sure. I like, want to be on the phone with us for three and a half hours. Although again, I could talk for that long. Um, so Obviously, I can too. <laughs> fun you know when you have these kinds of discussions your energy goes time oh, disappears yeah. and it's like um, uh, Mihaly Csikszent Mihaly who wrote a book called Flow the Energy of Optimal Experience and he akins it to a jazz quartet playing improv yep. right egos appear time disappears you're having this wonderful conversation that just flows mm-hmm. well and that's a you know so so you're in the phoenix area stefan's in the phoenix area i will soon be in the phoenix area so um so when we're all there together we're all gonna have to get together for a jam session for you know a couple times or something so. yeah well it's interesting because my brother who lives down in chandler he's a jazz singer and he, he's a jazz drummer as well and that's how huh. we ended up connecting with one another because i do improv and theater and so we were able to connect by understanding each other via improv. And it's been fascinating. It was like the best thing ever. So happened. you're, you're probably familiar with the name Louis Russo. Mm-hmm. Oxymorons. <laughs> Louis was a good friend. Cool. Um, there's actually a video of me doing what he calls the stripper. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's called Zen's mystic moment. It's on YouTube. Um, but Lewis introduced, I, inter- I'd interviewed him and Chia Sun, who's a, another psychic here, uh, on my TV show, One World, uh, a few weeks before that. And then I was, uh, I'd gone through a divorce. I left the corporate world. Uh, I got booted out of the church for a little bit. Um, and so I was trying to figure out a way to 
share this transformational experience in some healthy way. And I was driving down Indian school one day and I get this boneheaded idea to put on a three-piece suit with a set of artsy-fartsy clothes underneath it and use the suit as a metaphor for transformation. I'm like, you've got to be kidding, guys. You know? And so I thought, hey, why not? I'll try it. So Lewis had meetings at his house. And so I asked him about it. He said, yeah, go for it, man. That sounds like, that sounds amazing. So I do it the first time. And the gal that, um, that started Mishka Productions was sitting in the back of the room. She was Doris Geyer at the time. She hadn't changed her name to Ariel Wolf yet. And she was rolling pennies up from the back of the room. And everybody, when I take it, because I started with the coat of armor and I take it off and I divest myself and I tie the knot and show up the back, you know. So with each one of those in between, or as I would start to take it off, there was a couple of three people in the, the room. You know, it was just, it was hilarious. So everybody had a lot of fun. And then Lewis asked me, so there was maybe 30 people there. Lewis asked me to do it at his main meeting, which had over 200. So the second time that I do it is the time is what's been filmed and it's on YouTube. Um, and it's interesting, you know, to be able to take those items, the, the trials and tribulations, the trauma that I went through and then talk about the transcendence from it and yeah. the way out. Right. We all have to go through it. We all have our trials and tribulations, our crosses to bear, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it. Yep. You know, and the reason we have those is because we, if we didn't, we wouldn't grow. <laughs> right. Well, you, yeah, exactly. Uh, you, you, you learn by, uh, by making mistakes. And so some of those mistakes. I fall often. Right. So, yeah. Yep. By all well, means. again, then thank you so, so much. Uh, before we get out of here, of course, I've got, I'm a theater person, so it's time to rep. So whatever it is that you've got out there for people where they can find your stuff, we know Amazon, we can get your books and things like that, but tell yeah. us about the websites and about rebuild where they can find info on that. Okay. Um, rebuild. I'll start. There is R E hyphen B U I L D dot C O. It's that simple. Okay. Okay. Um, my kind of digital vitae, if you will, is zenbenefiel.com. I curate Ufology Press, that's U-F-O-L-O-G-Y-P-R-S-S dot -S com. No E. If you put an E in, you'll get my blog, which is connected to Ufology <laughs> Press, okay? Um, I, my profession right now I, I do both uh, partnering workshops for building road and bridge construction uh, multi-million dollar uh, team building projects mm -hmm. uh, or team building for the construction projects and that's teampartnering.com my transformational coaching site is be the dream.com i'm really proud of that name i got it in january it of 1988 <laughs> it reminds me of rocky horror don't dream it be yeah. exactly you know <laughs> and what's you know everybody has a dream yep and for some reason i've been able to find the keys demonstrate it in my own life and know the process to share it with others effectively enough to where they can have real evidence mm -hmm. uh, you know i've had like i used 
Niscal as an example, I had a chiropractor that I uh, increased his business 50% in the off season. Nice. Wow. So, There's I mean, an off season it for a chiropractor? It, it's a collect. Yeah. It, uh, well, here, right. The, the season for chiropractors here is winter visitors. Yeah. Wow. Being the dream, we all have one. There, there's something inside of us that just wants to burst forth on the tarmac. And the thread. <laughs> My little Moody's reference there. Yes, sir. Um, well, again, thank you. You are always welcome on this show. We will absolutely have you back yeah. sometime. Well, you guys already... go and invade out and I'll come. You know, I, I'm. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I, we, I told we, Josh we need to get you on our YouTube show, Astro Stu, so you can meet Santosh as well. You guys would have a hoot together, man. He is yeah. he's something else too, man. So. Cool. <laughs> so. Love it. Thank you, Zen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow. Like again, like yeah. I said, wow. <laughs> just what a great freaking guy, man. Like I'm just so pumped that I live near him because now I'm going to be like hanging outside of his window being like, you're going to you're gonna stalk him. Transform my life, please. Well, you know, it, it, it's funny about, well, not not funny, I guess in a funny ha-ha way, but it's, it's funny, I guess, coincidental in, in that he talks about, um, you know, the transformation stuff that he's helped people do and about it's all about, you know, att- attention intention and then mm-hmm. um and then you know focus or love or i can't remember the third thing but um and you know we we talk about you know our our successes that we've had with this show and in some of the things that we want to continue to do with this show and beyond and so we've put it we've given it attention we've set the intention uh and now we just have to continue working hard at what we're doing and it will come to fruition Yep. And I just, I love how man out of the blue, he was able to kind of help you solidify some things that, you know, in yeah. a way that Santosh and I couldn't cause we're kind of biased. Right. So yeah, very, very interesting. I love those moments. They're some of my favorites. Yep. By all means. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to get out of here and we don't have a listener story this week um, as our interview with Zen ran just a tad longer than usual. And uh, plus, you know, we're just tired tonight. You know, I want to get to dream and uh, see if I can see that friend from college again. Yeah. <laughs> or well, not, you know, this person from college. Well, and, and you know, whenever we have these really uh, energetic uh, interviews like tonight has been mm-hmm. um, the, the dreams and experiences that I have when I'm sleeping are always spectacular. So I am excited to see what I'm going to have for uh, sure tonight for sure. Um, so just a reminder to, uh, to, if you, uh, haven't yet, um, a way that you can help support us, um, of course, is by going to Fearscape Podcast or fearscapemedia.com slash store, either of those, picking yourself up a Fearscape t-shirt or any of the t-shirts, really. Um, that's one way. But the other way, of course, is by joining Wristwatch, our Patreon page. Um, we've got some cool stuff that's coming on there. I believe... Um, people are already hitting us up, asking us for some of the stuff we're going to drop on there. So I'm super excited about that because Lord, I got to tell you guys so much of the weird stuff that's been yeah. <laughs> going on. Um, but we're going to be talking about that. Um, and so you can go to patreon.com slash fearscape pod or just go to fearscapepodcast.com slash support. And there you could make a monthly contribution. And like I said, it goes to help us, um, you know, help 
make this uh, yep. a better thing that we're doing the podcast the network our youtube show and of course uh, we are looking to try to put together a uh, a pilot for a TV show, uh, Santosh, myself, and Josh. And uh, Wristwatch may become a part of this. It's starting to look yep. like. Um, yep. And we're actually going to be meeting up with Nathan Isaac in a couple of months. And hopefully that'll be a part of it. We've got some traveling to do and stuff like that. So I've actually created a birthday fundraiser on Facebook. Um, I've put that in our Facebook, uh, our Fearscape Media Network fan group. If you're not a part of that group, you should seek that out because it's awesome. I've also shared it on our uh, Fearscape Fearscape podcast uh, Facebook page as well. There you can donate um, as a way to help donate to help uh, get travel expenses down, some uh, video tech stuff, and just uh, all the stuff that we're going to need to help try to put together a pilot, uh, which we'll we'll drop the name later down the road. I don't want anybody to steal it yet until we can copyright it. Uh, But it's a really cool name and a really cool concept, which we'll share as we go along. And of course, we'll let our wristwatch members know before everybody else, because that's how we roll. Um, But (laughs) again, so you can donate straight through Facebook if you're on Facebook. And uh, every, every dime is greatly appreciated appreciated and helps us with our travel expenses and the like um so but other than that i'm getting off my soapbox i'm not going to ask for any more money because i am not stephen greer i mean a preacher um so um, i'm just kidding stephen greer i love you um so all right we're going to get out here josh any fond farewells before we go no just uh you know uh take what you heard here tonight and, and just you know think about it think about how you can apply it to your own life and and how you can set those again, the attention, the intention and the love. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, And please make sure that you are checking out all of Zen's stuff because it's phenomenal. Yeah. So we're going to get out of here. So thank you guys so much for tuning into Fearscape Paranormal Podcast here on the Fearscape Media Network. Make sure to check out our host of other podcasts. And uh, this has been Stefan. Keep your third eye to the sky. This has been Josh. The truth is now. And remember, folks, hold those blankets extra tight because things tend to get spooky when you're listening to Fearscape. All right. Good night, everybody. See you in the astral realm. Good night. We hope you have enjoyed this guidepost on the road of high strangeness with us. And we thank you, as always, for listening and joining our caravan to the weird and unknown. Please consider supporting us as we continue our journey to find the answers we all seek. Fearscapepodcast.com forward slash support. <laughs>